I'm searching for a word to describe this episode of Madcap. Let's use the word punishing. When we say punishing, we don't mean it in the same way Jay Watson of the Australian band Pond uses it. By punishing, I don't mean like rock punishing. I mean like like annoying. Okay, okay. <laughs> we call we, we, we call people uh, who are like really annoying and won't leave you alone. Not not at gigs or anything. I just mean in life. We mean punishing in a good way, enlighteningly punishing, but annoying. Absolutely, you better believe it. The protagonist for this episode of Madcap is Jay Watson. He's a founding member and drummer of the band Pond. Madcap first saw Jay on stage when he performed near Washington, D.C. when touring with Tame Impala, where he plays keyboard. From what we can gather, Pond is a collective of overly talented Australian musicians. How many instruments each kid in this band plays, we do not know. I imagine they're off learning another one right now as we speak. The sound can be described as a throwback to psychedelic rock, but there's a dance vibe to it at parts. These boys definitely have groove to them, especially Watson. His solo project Gum reflects this heavily, and here's the Gum song Misunderstanding. Pond has a new album out called Man It Feels Like Space Again. If that title is in fact literal, then I can't help but want to know more. Here's a single off the album, Sitting on a Crane. A few months ago, Madcap was able to sit down with Jay Watson in Washington, D.C. at the Rock and Roll Hotel. Without further ado, here's Pond's Jay Watson. Who would I most like to be watching and be impressed? And I would go with um, uh, Andre 3000. Okay. I'd most, he'd be the guy that I'd like. Like if someone told me it was like a good show or they liked a record, I would probably care more from uh, if he said it than most other people and also this guy asked Stevie Moore okay once told us he actually liked Pond and that like we're huge fans that kind of made our made our lives you know <laughs> so uh yeah. what so what is it what's the uniqueness about Andre 3000 that that kind of just like makes you oh like I just him? mean like uh just pure musical talent really mm-hmm. I guess like like I guess sometimes people tell you that they like your band or whatever but you might not necessarily like their mm-hmm. what they. I mean, you know, you might not necessarily be as into what they do. And then sometimes people who you really respect don't really like your music, and that happens just like all the time as well. Have Have you met Have you met Andre Three Thousand? No, no. I don't think many people have met him. <laughs> Actually, good point. Good point. Yeah. Are, you, are you an Outcast man? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so what's your favorite Outcast song, and what's your favorite Andre Three Thousand song? Um, my favorite's probably the first. Well. My sentimental favourite is uh, Happy Valentine's Day, okay. like off, off the, the Love Below. Because that's like the first song I, when I was a kid I heard of them. That name is so ridiculous, The Love Below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not as huge a fan as the other guys, though. Like, mm. I, 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 I never, I'm so not a serious fan that I don't feel the need to ever really listen to anything other than that album. Okay. Whereas, like, Nick has, like, you know, 
the first five, you know, right back to all the like, wow, well, Atlians and all that. Yeah, yeah. wow, wow. But, I, but I'm not. I, I didn't. I, that for me, it's just that I, that I get enough from that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. But I, when I like, he's. I'm not like. He's not my favorite dude or whatever. Outcast mm-hmm. isn't my favorite music. Yeah. I just when you said like who would who would uh, who would I like to impress in terms of like raw kind of like talent? Probably him, I guess. I'd be pretty stoked if Kanye said he liked us. I'd be pretty stoked if Ariel Pink liked us. I'd be pretty stoked if lots of Beck. Always been a big big Beck fan. Lots of people, man. Beck, yeah. is, Beck is great. Beck's a legend. Yeah. All right. So this uh, next question is I hope it's not. It's kind of difficult, not too difficult. So for uh, the name Pond, all right. For each, can you come up with a, a adjective to describe you all's band for each letter? Uh... Punishing. <laughs> By punishing, I don't mean like rock punishing. I mean like like annoying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we call we, we we call people uh, who are like really annoying and won't leave you alone. Not not at gigs or anything. I just mean in life. Uh-huh. Is is that is that is that what you're calling me right no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> we just have this word like you know it's called punishes when someone like comes up to you and you can't get away. Not necessarily. I'm not talking about like at shows or anything. I uh-huh. just mean in general. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. you get into like a conversation. An Australian thing? No, we just say it. I think uh, my buddy's my buddy's band uh, calls them grave diggers because by the time they're finished with you, you're like six feet under. Wow. <laughs> but but I feel like you need that code word for shows. You though. do. Yeah, you do. Oh, we have a we have in Tame Impala, we have a code word. But I'm not going to say it because it'll ruin the whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, when like people are in the dress, when like real wasted people are like breaking the dressing room, uh-huh. but we don't want to like. Look, look like bad guys and kicking them out. So we say the code word and our tour manager kicks them out instead. Because the first time I learned of that, like I, um, I was looking at the Beatles anthology and they said that like they had this, they had this code word when people would just really would just be talking, talking their ear off like, yeah, in yeah. their room. Yeah. Cause that was the first time I realized that code words are necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and everyone, everyone in all, in uh, all walks of life, uh, deals with punishes. I think just in, a, when you, when there's like people who might be fans of your band or whatever, and they've had lots of drugs <laughs> and they're really wasted the, the punishing can be amplified you know even if they're really <laughs> sweet even if they're really sweet and nice because you don't want to be rude and leave yeah. and just be like oh i'm going to the toilet or whatever you want to be nice but there comes a certain point where you have to kind of go i gotta go <laughs> what i can't stand is when somebody's so drunk they talk so slow and but they they just won't move they just, oh, they're just yeah, like yeah. really slow talking yeah, yeah all right so so basically so what are you so what are your methods of collaboration like how do you all work together um. Uh, it's different for each album with Pond. Um, sometimes, uh, so this one we just did that's coming out in January. It's like everyone kind of wrote, wrote songs on their own, and then three or four we wrote all together. But like it's kind of like squishing. Well, like we all do our own solo music, mm-hmm. and then often we choose each other's favorite solo songs and put them as Pond records. Okay. You know, but the next one we're gonna record. Uh, next year we'll be all we'll come up with it all together on the spot kind of like you know more improvised whereas the one that's coming out soon is like um, pre-written you know but individually so uh, for you where is what's the best environment for you to like write music Uh, I don't really have a best environment I mean I've been touring like Mm -hmm. constantly since I was like 17 or whatever so I don't know I do I do it I do it on the bus we all I do it on a laptop on the was trying to make up songs all day on the way here, you know. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, yeah. I can't remember the last time I, like, sat down 
with like a guitar or something like out in a backyard or something in the sun and try to write something. that's like years ago well i don't have time any like it's just like sitting on in the band room on your laptop on music programs you know so all right so where's a place that you fantasize about writing music in um well i didn't think i'd be able to do it a different way now uh-huh. i don't think i'd be able to do it the like wholesome like hippie way anymore i think i'm attached to my computer <laughs> so, all right, so all right so you you've been you've been touring since 17 yeah, not heavily since like 19 or something, yeah. How old are you now, 24? 24, yeah. 20. So, I mean, uh, reflect on that. Like, I mean, what do you think about the past five years of, of, the, of the road? Like, what would have, would have been the most powerful moments? Would have been moments where you're like, this is too much? Like, um, walk me through it. Oh, it's all been really insane. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm a lot better. I'm a lot more like... Yeah, mediated on it now like I don't get as excited but I don't get as bummed out mm -hmm. but for a while I used to describe it to people as kind of like the most fun you could ever have crossed with like a really awful time you know because you <laughs> like you're like permanently hungover not that that's something to complain about because it's up to you whether you're hungover or not yeah but you know if you ever I've had a girlfriend for years now it's really hard you know going away for like three months at a time and stuff um just Every tiny little like mannerism or tick that anyone you're touring with has goes from being like just something you might not you might notice like once to being like the most annoying thing like in the history of the world you know okay like even the way someone like sits or something by the end of like four weeks in a bus you're just <laughs> like Fuck. why are you sitting like that it's so annoying you know <laughs> All right, so let alone like actual annoying stuff like I don't know and then there's the musical side of it too trying to like play well every night. You know, what, what, sorry, so what, uh, what are the range of emotions you go through on the day of a show? Um, well, I'm pretty like on the level now because I've just done so much touring. I try and like, I try and be as emotionless as possible until like actually playing the show. And uh -huh. then afterwards I try to not think about it and be emotionless because I, because if you get too excited after a show or then you like blow all your serotonin and then the next gig the next night you're all like bummed and you don't want to, you know what i mean yeah i do yeah so so yeah i'm, I'm trying to like surf the serotonin all to her but uh i don't know sometimes i'm uh you know epiphanized that's not a word sometimes i feel epiphanous sometimes i i'm super happy sometimes i'm really pissed off at myself or the others okay. sometimes i'm i don't know really drunk sometimes i haven't had enough to drink and i'm like nervous and i forgot what it was like to be nervous because i haven't been not drunk on stage in like five years wow wow lots of different lots of different emotions yeah yeah all right so before touring how did you think like how did you think it would be and how is that different from how it actually is um i never really thought about the touring part i don't think anyone thinks about the actual touring part when i was a kid i thought about like rocking out on like a big stage you know like mm -hmm. i pretended i was like the drummer in the red hot chili peppers or something <laughs> yeah but i never thought about actually sitting in a van for nine hours i don't mm -hmm. think that's like part of any kid's like dream i don't know i guess i grew up in a small town and i had a couple of friends but not that many i certainly didn't have any girlfriends so i kind of always imagined it would be this uh me like making it with heaps of girls but then that never happened either because I've had the girlfriend the whole time. So, so, so I don't know. None of it really like came true in the end. T uh, tell me about this small town. Des describe it uh, for somebody who knows nothing. Uh, 
I don't know if any way I could describe it would be um, relative to the states because the thing is, even people who live in really small towns in the middle of nowhere in the states, there's still like a major city in kind of every direction. Mm. Whereas if you live in inland Australia, like the further away you head from the coast, there's just nothing for like 2,000 miles. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the further you, so I was only two hours inland from the coast and it was already getting pretty like redneck. Well, we use the word bogan, but like redneck. <laughs> uh, it's like 7,000 people or something. But a town with 7,000 people in like, um, say like, uh, I don't know, um, Minnesota or something isn't actually that far away from other cities. Yeah. You can drive for an hour or two. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. there, other than going to the the nearest city there's no other cities around there's no other like culture you know there's no it's just desert or whatever so alright so what are what are some songs that you hear now on the road where you're like they instantly remind you of home oh well I haven't lived there since I was 16 maybe remind me of Perth um I don't know I listen I listen to so much music so kind of like monomaniacally that um sorry it's burping <laughs> that I don't really like associate anything with it. Like I listen to music like a like a freak, like a nerd. Like, like I listen to like like the others can't believe the way I listen. Like I listen to like ten seconds at a time. I'm, like I'm a, I like on my iTunes just dragging the thing across, listening to like certain sections, all uh-huh. like for hours at a time. Wow! Just so like being a, like like I almost, I almost find it hard to listen to music like uh, as like a like background music or relax relaxing thing. I'm either like not listening to it all or I'm like trying to work out like what, you know, envelope filters on the guitar or whatever, you know, or like what chord it is or something like that. So you, so with that being said, you don't need music to sleep? No, no. Can, Sometimes can, I need Seinfeld to sleep, but no. Seinfeld. The only thing I do other than like listen to music or like work on music or work on like band stuff is, uh, yeah, watch like Seinfeld pretty much. Uh, George... You know, that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents (laughs) don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me. uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. <laughs> my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I like it. I like that show because it's... I think it's quite unpretentious in that it... It, uh, it kind of showed everyone that, like, no one's... No one's life is really that exciting and kind of everyone's life is really exciting and the mm-hmm. whole show is like about nothing. I like that Jerry's not a very good actor, so he like kind of laughs every time he says anything and it <laughs> makes it really like real, you know? <laughs> and I like that Kramer's such a good a- actor that uh, he's kind of nothing like the actor himself. 
like if you've seen interviews with that dude he's like this really quiet weird kind of like yeah he is yes, yes 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 you know I don't know I just like I, just like, I love Larry David I didn't even know Larry David wrote Seinfeld when I first started watching it and I watched Curb and then I watched Seinfeld again like all nine seasons knowing that he was George you know mm-hmm. and it was like even funnier Curb, Curb gives me anxiety oh yeah I love it but, I, but like Larry gets himself into way too many situations yeah, yeah. well yeah I, it kind of doesn't yeah some, uh, I don't know if it does gives me anxiety anymore it might, might have used it might have used to but now like now I realise he's not like no one's actually like that He's half like that, but he's half like hamming it up for the show, you know. Okay. Yeah. So um, I want to know what. So what's some music that you created recently that is that is the most personal to you? Um. Well, I've been working on this like solo album. Um, that uh, that was like half ballads, like kind of really personal, like emotional ballady sort of songs, and then half like full on Michael Jackson, kind of like party songs. And then my friends kept telling me to just do a whole album of the Marty Jack- Michael Jackson sort of party songs. And then the, the ballads, I'm going to do an album with my friend, um, Benny Montero, hopefully. And then just half his ballads and, half, and do a full kind of like soft rock, you know, like... Okay, all right. Like Elton John album, yeah. So, like, so who's so the... that f- stuff, probably. So who's the... F- like, when you, when you finish something, who's the first person that you, that you like, get... Uh, you have consult you? Uh, just to get feedback. Depends whoever's around, really. I mean, I try not, I get, people get, you get, like, when you do music all the time, like, because we don't really, like, filter what we do. We do so much. Mm-hmm. Some of it's awful and some of it's, like, good. So, just whoever's around. But I try not to play it too much to everyone because it gets annoying. Like, if you do, like, if I do a song a day, it's going to be really annoying. I don't know, my girlfriend, uh, if she's around or the other guys, if I'm hanging out with them. I don't know, like, no one in particular, no. Okay. Sometimes our manager, if it's, like, for a Pond record or something, just to... Show her what the next album's gonna be like. What's your, what's your girlfriend's favorite song? Of mine? Yeah. Oh, I don't think she has one. I don't know. I don't even know if she really likes that music. I know. She, yeah, she. I know she likes some tame songs. I don't, I don't think she likes. I don't know. I don't know what a. What's her favorite I've never tame asked. song? Do you know? Ah, uh, I don't know. I guess everyone's is kind of like backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, she likes pop music. She just like the more like. The more more of like a like good pop song it is, the more she likes it. So like I'll play her like really weird like noise stuff, and she'll be like awful. And I'll play her like a pop thing, and she'll love it. You know, she has kind of like really pure, you know, like not liking stuff because it's cool, mm-hmm. just purely for like pop value. Have oh. you ever serenaded her? <laughs> no. Have you ever serenaded her? No, no, <laughs> no. It's <laughs> not. No. Well, I mean, we don't even really talk about me I, I sent her a song once when she was hungover it's called like ballad for a hungover lucy <laughs> it's just about have you, have you have you released it no but i was gonna re- i was gonna re- read like uh jig it i don't think she wants me to rejig it for with my mate for this like soft rock album we'll see okay, okay. yeah all right so within the pa- uh within the past few years what has been uh the worst show and when i say worst show it didn't like wasn't necessarily your fault. Just everything just went wrong. Um. Well, with Pond, when that happens, it's usually because like everything gets trashed and every and they're running the crowds really like off their tits or whatever. <laughs> That's an Australian expression that means like rowdy. <laughs> and uh, and so all the gear breaks. But usually 
the fact that the, the gear breaks because everyone's done that means it's like a good show. But with Tom and Parlo, I remember first Coachella of the two weeks at Coachella, um, my keyboard didn't work for like almost the whole, or like probably three quarters of the set. And I just kind of like, I didn't know what else to do. So I was just kind of like sitting there kind of like half, half pretending to play, half getting angry. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty bad because it was like 20,000 people or something. What did they, now, like how do you notify the, the other, everybody else that, that your keyboard is not working? Oh, well I got told off by Kev because I said into the mic, oh my fucking keyboard's not working or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, and he's like, you don't need to tell everyone. I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I kind of felt a bit helpless, like not having anything to do. But I don't know, I've done so many shows. I used to get so angry about almost every show being bad, even if it wasn't bad. And so like depressed about uh, whether or not we were playing well or not. And now I'm kind of just like, I don't know, heaps of my favourite um, uh, heaps of my favorite musicians. Um, their music wasn't isn't like supposed to, you're not, it, like it, they weren't that good live, you uh-huh. know, or they're still not that good live. Someone like Ariel Pink, who is really good live, like when he started playing live was awful I think well so he says you know like 10 years ago or whatever what, now he's really good but like but what about the distinction for those who record well but can't perform well but and those who perform well well performing is just completely different because it's not really like it's no when it's not really like a creative I mean it can be creative but it's more like kind of like sport okay especially if you're like playing drums or something it's like I mean, it's you're creative in like your fills and stuff, drum fills. Yeah. But most of the time, it's kind of like mem- memory, you know, like just trying to like play the same thing the same way every night, like you know, with a little bit of difference. But uh, and the and the creativity comes from like just partying with the crowd, I guess. Okay. But it's a completely different thing to recording, which is why like often uh, the most kind of like purely creative people can't really like pull it off live. Because okay. it's kind of like sport, you know. Yeah, it really is. But but but, but that's, that sounds cynical. It's not. It's still like like I'm not going to be up there tonight going like, oh, this is like sport. I'm going to be <laughs> loving it. I'm going to be like, having a great time. Yeah. But there's no. It's like a painter like walking around holding up his painting, mm-hmm. just like going, look at this, look at this, look <laughs> at this for like an hour. You know? Yeah, I do. I do. But I, it's still. But it's it's yeah. It's more of a. I just think of it more of a party. You have to try and remember if there's songs that like move people. I mean, there's not probably not as many with Pom, I guess with Tame or whatever. If there's songs that like move people in like a melancholy way or whatever. You don't want to party too hard because you might ruin it for you know what I mean. Yeah. But some a gig like tonight, it's but like it's not really about if we're um, playing well or not. It's about like if everyone gets really loose in the crowd. And I think we have will. heaps of fun. I think so. It's fr- this the whole tour so far has been like Mondays and Tuesdays and stuff, and it's all been really good, but. Hopefully, people will be, be even more loose, you know. What Has Pond ever done a show in D.C.? Ah, uh, maybe. Maybe it... No, that's Philly. Maybe maybe at the 9.30 Club or something. Okay, okay. Or the Black Cat, but maybe that was Tame. I, I can't remember which, which, which is which anymore, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Although, right. I guess if it's, if it's smaller... See, Pond play much smaller venues, but Tame used to play them, so I, that's why I get confused. You know? Okay, okay. So it's like deja vu when you go through. Yeah, all. sometimes. Yeah, I can't remember which who I was there with. You know. All right, just a few more questions. Yeah, that's right. That's cool. Here. Yeah. Uh, so I got nothing to do. <laughs> so within the past four or five years, has there ever been a moment where you teared up from joy from where you're at in life? It could be on stage. It didn't have to be on stage. Not teared up from... Ju- not. 
I don't think I really t- ever tear up from joy. <laughs> the only times I ever cry is when I'm actually like depressed or if I'm like watching a movie on a plane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The thing is like if you, as soon as you like, as soon as you, you can be like proud of doing stuff if you know, if you're like convinced it's good. But I'm never convinced that like, anything is really good. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of like working hard, but I'm not really, I like, like I think everyone who makes like good stuff is never really like satisfied because by that by the nature of that then the stuff you'd make wouldn't be very good yeah and i think that's like one of the that's kind of like not to be too depressing but that's kind of one of the saddest things about like people being creative or making art is like a lot of people the really serious like life for people um you know they're like 80 years old and they're still just like not really satisfied, you know, because they still don't think they've done anything like good. They think they've worked hard or whatever, but they still don't. And I find that tends to be the like, the most talented people are kind of like that. Because once you're like, this is pretty good, then there's chances are the next thing's not going to be very good, I guess. All right, now, so, uh, but I'll confidence is good too, you know. See, I want to follow up about this and I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this correctly. Because I, I want to know like, you talk, you talk about people being um, like never satisfied and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I want to know like if if like somebody playing like a stadium and stuff like that is because yeah. like they just need they just were completely never satisfied. So they need they need the approval of this large group of yeah, people. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you feel that way sometimes? Uh, I'm satisfied in terms of um, um, like playing to bit. Like I I I I'd be happy if I never played to. Um, you know, like a thousand people ever again, I think. Oh, I don't know. I can't actually say that. Maybe not. Maybe I would be. But, um, but I'm, I'm, I mean more like kind of like quality of output, you know, because okay. cause no matter how many times people tell you something's really good, no matter if like, everyone gives it nines out of tens and like, I don't know, Lester Bang says you're a genius or something, you still like, it's pretty hard to convince yourself that it is actually good because like, what even is you know good and uh and people who do convince themselves that it's good tend to like make crappy stuff from then on you know but that's like that's part of that's like part of the whole it's like sport it's the same with sport like once um once you know uh i don't know lebron james ever went a playoff or yeah 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 yeah, yeah he is, like yeah. he like those guys don't i was re- i was watching it on the espn the other day and kobe bryant like mm-hmm. he's trying to come back have his big comeback yeah and he's like more desperate everyone's written him off and he's like way more desperate than ever and it's like it's we have afl football and it's crazy the guys who like win the grand final or win the brownlow which is like the the best and fairest of the whole you know country association they always just get more and more desperate you know to like keep winning or whatever yeah yeah they're the most they're the most dissatisfied and they're like and then occasionally when they're like old and they've retired, they're like, I'm really proud of like, you know, winning that grand final. Or like Michael Jordan now will be like, I'm really proud of like what I did. But at the time, I bet he was just like the day after he was like, all right, I'm going to win another one. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah, from, yeah. from what I hear, he was the worst to work with. You know what I'm saying? He was completely, he was, he was, Cause he, he was, was so, pretty intense. He was so intense. Was, yeah. He, yeah he was, I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like some super intense, serious artist, but. I just keep like putting out records with stuff that I don't really like. There's stuff that I like on them, but there's always stuff that that six months later I'm like, this is rubbish, you know. So like, 
hopefully one day I'll do one or we'll do one that where where the whole thing in like a year's time. But it never works like that because you've heard it too much and you can never really enjoy it anyway. Like, yeah. the, the, for Kev, for example, with the tame stuff. I know it's not a tame in part of the interview, and I don't normally like talking about it so much. But that our last tame album pretty much was like almost everyone like around the world like unanimously loved it. But there's still so many bits of that. He's just like, ugh, gross, you know. <laughs> he's proud of it, but he's like, oh, I wish I did that differently. Or, I hate the mix on that or that lyrics cheesy or like, you know. And it doesn't matter how many people tell you, it's like the greatest album of all. Not that people say that, but, you know, like an important album or something. It doesn't mean you like believe it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that, that album was... Everybody did love it. I mean, everybody... Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's awesome, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of rare that... Like music, n- music nerd, you know, snobby critics like it, and then like the, the common man likes it. That's usually usually kind of like either or, but uh, yeah, uh, he's is very lucky like that. It's very good. It's you know, it's great. So what do you? All right. So uh, last two three questions. What do you th- what do you think about? Because uh, you mentioned you you hear something six months later and you don't like it. What do you think about? Uh, how somebody can change their mind about something like you know there's songs that you didn't like when you were younger yeah, you get yeah older like what accounts for that do you think um uh i don't know i just guess the flippancy of the human brain i don't know man i, 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 I don't know it's, i guess it's yeah it's you're right it's the same as like me deciding i just like oysters one day or some shit <laughs> What is uh, what is one song in all of the in all of the universe that you would like to end this interview with? Um, in all of the universe. Um. Ah, uh, shit. Can you like find anything? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so. I've just got to choose a song now. Um, uh, this song, River Song, by okay. Dennis Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Madcap is produced by Daniel Bloom, David Ross, Afim Shapiro, and Drew Snadeke. Snadeke moves up in the world. Our intern is Christy Newen, madcapdc.org, on Facebook and Twitter at madcapdc. Okay, and state your name and describe in vivid detail where we are. Uh, my name is Jay Watson, and I play in this band Pond, and uh, I'm at this rock and roll hotel in Washington, D.C. Yeah, in a, in, in a very, in a blue room. In a blue room <laughs> with uh, lots of kind of like pop culture icons, like the Statue of Liberty and Sid Vicious or something and Lincoln and... Uh, Alice Cooper, dressed as the president, (laughs) (laughs) dressed as the president.